Good evening. Great to see you all. Welcome. Um, just want to reiterate that the GTC classes, I think in the notices it says it's closed, but you can still enrol um, if you want to do that. And if you've got any questions, come and talk to myself. I'd be happy to answer any questions. But we are here tonight, gathered to worship God and to exalt Him. And so I want to invite you to stand with me as we come to worship and hear this call to worship from this beautiful passage in Isaiah 35. Let us stand if you're able. Isaiah 35, and I'm going to read from verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Amen. May God bless that call to our hearts as we gather before him. Let us pray. Lord, your word promises us this beautiful picture of what it means to know your blessing, your redeeming grace. Tonight, our blessed God, we have gathered here as those who have been called out by your name. We know something of that redemption. But maybe tonight we've come with our hearts feeling heavy or distant or cold. We don't feel particularly redeemed. We don't feel so much like leaping for joy. And Lord, would you grant to us your gracious strength? Would you pick us up? Would you direct us by your spirit to yourself as we worship you today? Lord, we have gathered here to worship you, to encourage one another in word and song and preaching of your word. May you be glorified among us as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a uh, in the call to worship, we're directed to God, our Redeemer. And so I want to invite you to join with me in singing, Behold Our God.
God, as we have gathered here, our eye is upon you. You are our God, you are our King, and we want to behold you, we want to adore you. Fill our hearts, Lord God, with your praise. Enlarge our minds to understand more of you and draw us out after yourself in love. Through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We've just been singing, Who is like our King and Who Can Compare to Our King? And it's a great question because we're going to read about another king which we find in 1 Samuel chapter 14. This king's name is King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 14, we, in Sunday evenings, we read through the narrative uh, portions of scripture. We're following in here, obviously, we're following the life of Saul, who has been anointed king, but who has shown in his heart that he's not willing to obey the Lord in all things. And uh, in chapter 14, in this account, we see something of Saul's character is now revealed through his actions. So let us read this. This is God's word. Listen to God's word. 1 Samuel chapter 14. One day, Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men, including Ehijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord, and Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Within the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on the one side and a rocky crag on the other. The name of the one was Bozes and the name of the other was Sene. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash and on the other in the south of the front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or few. And his armor-bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand. And this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they 
fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike which Jonathan and his armor bearer made killed about 20 men within, as it were, half a furrow's length in an acre of land. And there was panic in the camp in the field and among the people, the garrison, and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked and it became a great panic, a very great panic. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude was dispersing here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Count and see who's gone out from us. And when they counted, behold, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. So Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For the ark of God went at the time with the people of Israel. Now while Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into battle. And behold, every Philistine's sword was against his fellow, and there was great confusion. Now the Hebrews, who had been with the Philistines before that time, who had gone up with them into the camp, even they also turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the men of Israel who had hidden themselves in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were fleeing, They too followed hard after them in battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed beyond Beth-Aven. And the men of Israel had been hard-pressed that day, so Saul had laid an oath on the people, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food until it is evening, and I am avenged on my enemies. So none of the people had tasted food. Now when all the people came to the forest, behold, there was honey on the ground. And when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dropping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath, so he put out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and dipped it into the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth, and his eyes became bright. Then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. Then Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright because I tasted a little of this honey? How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of the enemies that they found, for now the defeat among the Philistines has not been great. They struck down among the Philistines that day from Michmash to Aijalon, and the people were very faint. The people pounced on the spoil and took the sheep and oxen and calves and slaughtered them on the ground, and people ate them with the blood. Then they told Saul, Behold, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a great stone to me here. And Saul said, Disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, Let every man bring his ox or his sheep and slaughter them here and eat, and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night, and they slaughtered them there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until the morning light. Let us not leave a man of them. And they said, Do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. Saul inquired of God, Shall I go down to the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. 
And Saul said, Come here, all you leaders of the people. Know and see how this sin has arisen today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. But there was not a man among all the people who answered him. Then he said to all Israel, You shall be on the one side, and I and Jonathan my son will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said, O Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant this day? If this guilt is in me or in Jonathan, my son, O Lord God of Israel, give Urim. But if this guilt is on your people, Israel, give Thummim. And Jonathan and Israel were taken, but the people escaped. Then Saul said, Cast the lot between me and my son Jonathan. And Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me, what have you done? And Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the tip of the staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I will die. And Saul said, God, do so to me and more so. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die who has worked this great salvation in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, there shall not one hair of his head fall to the ground, for he has worked with the Lord this day. So the people ransomed Jonathan so that he did not die. Then Saul went up from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. When Saul had taken the kingship over from Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them. He did valiantly and struck the Amalekites, and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul were Jonathan, Ishvi, Malkishua, and the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the firstborn was Merab, and the name of the younger was Michal. And the name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner the father of Abner, the son of Abiel. Now there was hard fighting against the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw how strong, how any strong man or any valiant man, he attached himself. He attached him to himself. Sorry. When he saw any strong or valiant man, may God bless that reading of his word. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, not only, uh, so last time we saw how Samuel has told Saul that God's presence is going to be removed from him. He's no longer God's chosen and anointed king. And now we see this, the, the um, outworking, how this plays out, that even now the people of Israel, they start to lose confidence. Uh, Jonathan, his very own son, you, you hear that sort of tone of, um, of uh, sort of rejection and despising in his, in his voice as he speaks to his father there. Um, and so God is withdrawing his hand from Saul, and so therefore also the people are losing confidence and not following him. And so it's good for us to be reminded, as we come tonight to sing again, that uh, we do have one king who God, who God has absolute confidence and trust in, and that is our King Jesus, our Lord and our Redeemer. Let us stand and sing together.
Take a seat, thanks. Oh, sorry, Neil, come up, come up, brother. We'll, we'll pray. You can stay seated. We'll pray. Give thanks for the offering. I did see you then. I just, yeah, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the uh, generosity of your people, which we know is an overflow, overflow of grace. Uh, that as we have received freely from your hand salvation, not by works, but simply by faith, by trusting you, we know that you have moved our hearts and that we delight to see others come to know you and to trust in you. So bless this money that we have collected, both this morning and this evening. May it be used, Lord God, to help those in need, and to extend your kingdom. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Do we have any children tonight who want to come and join me down the front? Got anyone? Got one. You better come and join her. You going to come? Yeah? Oh, yeah, we've got two. Be safe. Should be safe. Okay, a difficult question for you guys tonight. So this is like, you've got to be really honest with me. Have you ever done something like really, really naughty and your parents have been really cross with you? Yeah, yeah. Have you? Have you? Yeah. Don't believe it because you guys just look so perfect, but I know. And let, let me ask you, are they... St- Still cross with you? No. Just checking. No. 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 Not still mad. No. No, he's not still mad with you. No. Okay. I remember once I... So I have to confess as well. So once my mum said to me, we had a long driveway, and it um, went down straight to the road, and it was a long, straight driveway, and it went down a hill, and it was quite cool. We used to see, have competitions to see who could ride the fastest down the driveway and but there was a little problem back in the olden days push bikes bicycles had they didn't have brakes on the handlebars they had brakes on the pedals you pedal backwards and that that was the brake and one day me and my friend we said hey let's have a competition to see who can go the fastest down the driveway and I went first and as I got halfway down the driveway there was a pothole in the driveway and I went over the pothole and my chain came off. And that was, I had no brakes anymore. So I was kind of scared, but I couldn't do anything. So I went straight, going really fast. I was going as fast as I could because I'd pedaled hard out. And I went straight across the road into the ditch and hit the fence on the other side. So my mum said to me after that, no more, not allowed to go riding down the driveway. So guess what I did after? I rode down the driveway, very naughty. And my mother was very cross. In fact, she was so cross, she went and got the wooden spoon out of the kitchen, and she made me bend over, and she smacked me on the bottom. Now, it was unusual for my mother to do that because I was the youngest of eight, and so all my older brothers and sisters got all the all the wooden spoon, and by the time she got to me, they were so wi- so much wiser and skilled as parents, they didn't have to do that. 
But here's the thing. I was really upset, you know, crying and, <laughs> you know, that real deep cry you do, like, <laughs> you know, like that. Oh, man. And I was, because my mum was so mad at me and my mum was always so kind and I was so upset and I went to my room. And then, and then you know what happened, though? What really, really gave me a shock? One of my brothers came and said, oh, come for tea. Come for tea. And you know why I was shocked at that? Do you can think why I was a bit surprised and shocked? Yeah? Why? That's right. I thought my mum just was never going to love me ever again because I'd been so naughty. I thought, oh, she'd smack me. That was it. I'm, I'm never going to get another meal. I'm going to have to go and live somewhere else, beg on the streets and all that. But by dinner time, it was all over and I had to come to the table. Obviously, I was a bit quieter that night at the dinner table. But... I got dinner because my mum loved me and my dad loved me and they weren't angry with me anymore. Isn't that amazing? So I don't know what Pastor Ejimara is going to preach on tonight. Well, I do know. I know the passage, but I don't know everything he's going to say. But the passage talks about how God loves to restore us, how God loves to bless us. Even though with Israel he was angry with them and judged them and punished them and sent them away into exile, he also promised them that he would bring them back. And bless them. Isn't that a wonderful picture of how God is so kind to us? Yeah. So listen up for that. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are such a gracious God. You are long suffering. You are slow to anger. But even when your anger and your and your punishment and your discipline is upon us, it is just such a brief thing. It's short, and and soon you you restore your people. You. You turn back to us with loving kindness and, and grace. So help us always to remember that, that even when we feel that we've done something really, really bad and we have really sinned hard out against you, that we would remember that your anger will not last forever, but that you will restore us. You do love us and you will bring us back into table fellowship with yourself. So help us to trust you, help us to know that you love us and that your love runs deep, even when we fall short of your standards, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing our songs, and then I'll do a long prayer after that. Okay, and uh, I think there's worksheets for you guys too.
take a seat. Before the Lord and time of prayer, let us pray.
All right. Well, uh, Brother Ejimar is going to be speaking to us, preaching from Isaiah 35. So I want to invite you to turn to the book of the prophet Isaiah and to chapter 35. So we've already heard a part of this in the call to worship. We've already sung a part of it just a minute ago. And then let's read this together. Listen to God's word. Isaiah 35 verse 1. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, and they shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He shall come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For the waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water in the haunt of, in the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk in the, on the way, even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Amen. May God bless that reading of his word. Come and join us. Okay, brothers and sisters, I am here one more time, once again, uh, with this precious opportunity to share the, the Word of God. Uh, last week, I told you about my problem with my niece, with the word uh, earthquake, earthquake, no? Yes, what is a earthquake? <laughs> or, uh, now, to, today, <laughs> maybe you can feel uh, the, the, the earthquake. Well, earthquake, <laughs> yes, are my knees. Okay, we are before uh, the special text, uh, a text for the people of God there, but also for us today, uh, because we are the people of God for all eternity. I would like to invite you to this time uh, 
of uh, prayer, and I would like to pray for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to be here before your presence, Father. You are our God. We need to, to receive your message, Father. Please give us this privilege to listen to your voice. Use my life. Um, uh, open my, my mouth and uh, speak to your people, to our heart, Father. Um, uh, we, we, we need your grace, your help. For this reason, we pray for this, Father. Uh, bless us for your glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Dear ones, we, the Lord's people, are a joyful people. This joy is not because uh, everything is going well for us, but because we are a people full of hope. We can experience very difficult things, but we have God's promises. God's promises are very important for our time of pilgrimage on this earth towards our uh, heavenly homeland. We must walk on this earth, but with our heart in heaven. God's faithful promise encourage us to persevere, moving forward even in the midst of adversity. Think about how important these promises were to the first Christians in Nero's uh, arenas. How important they were to the Christian slaves who suffered being abused, tortured, and ra raped during slavery in the Americas. Maybe you know about this, this hard time for these people. Think about the Christians who lived through the two wor world wars. Think of so many brothers and sisters suffering difficult illnesses. Think of so many servants of God who have been suffering in the world in environments hostile, hostile to the Christian faith. Sometimes we lose sight of what is stored for us in Christ because our hearts are so rooted in the things of this present time that our vision of future glory becomes cloudy. We must remember that the things of this world are temporary. Everything here passes and can change from one minute to the next minute. One day you are healthy and the next you can be sick. One day you are at home at peace with your family and the next day this peace can go away. There is nothing safe in this world except what God has promised us. We must be careful with this world that tries to influence us with a secularized, uh, materialist, and immediatist 
philosophy of life that teaches us to look at our existence only thinking about the here and now. The idea is usually if everything is fine now, nothing else matters because the important thing is to be fine uh, here and now. In Christ, we have the opportunity to walk in this world, but with our eyes on the promises guaranteed in Christ. Isaiah chapter 35 uh, is one of these hope-filled reminders from God. This text was given by the Lord to encourage His people in the face of the afflictions they were already experiencing and uh, others that were yet to come. We are not sure if they were already in Babylon, Babylon, but even if they were not, their life was not easy because they had suffered the Assyrian desolation. It is because their own sins. Their own sins. Remember this. When we read chapter 35, the scenario is one of despair, inspiring great concerns and fears. God's judgment would come upon all nations. But in chapter 35, uh, 35, God paints a picture full of colors and images that inspires hope and brings relief to the hearts of his people because the news is that they would be preserved. When we talk about the Lord's people, we are not talking about all the people of Israel, but only those who believed and trusted in God's promises and remained faithful. Through the te this text, we will see that God has a reason for His redeemed people to rejoice even in suffering. The reason is hope. Hope. And in this text, God gives us hope in the following promises. The first promise is the promise to see the glory of God. Pay attention here. The promise to see the glory of the Lord. This message for a people that lived against God uh, for a long time. It's difficult to have hope when all you see is des desolation. You have probably already had the experience of seeing a desert a sin or desert a sin even if only through videos it is an inhospitable hospitable hospitable distressing and lonely scenario when you contemplate a reality like this you wonder how something new can happen in this place the, the view that God's people had of their surroundings was like this. It did not inspire hope. If they had already experienced the Babylonian seed, the situation was 
extremely terrifying. We have to go back to Jeremiah to understand a little of what this disparate environment was about. Jeremiah saw things that no human being would want to see. To better understand this, take time out of your schedule and read uh, Jeremiah's book of Lamentations. But allow me to show you some things through Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 12 verse 4. How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field uh, wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away. Because they said, he will not see our later end. Brothers and sisters, one of the great damages of military invasions and wartime conflicts was the destruction caused where they, they took place. The fields were destroyed and the land became infertile, 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 sorry. The earth groaned because of man's sin. Creation fled the presence of evil in the greed of nations, in the merciless acts of human pride, bringing suffering and pain. Besieged. By the Babylonians, suffering and death were seen within the walls of Jerusalem. Let's look at this verse more in Lamentations of Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 10. The hands of compassionate women have boiled their own children. They became their food during the destruction of the daughter of my people. Jeremiah saw all this and wept, holding on to the hope previously, previously announced through prophets like Isaiah prophesying in this passage. Pay attention in Lamentations chapter 3. Verse 20 to 25. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the warm wood and the gold. My soul continually remembers it and is uh, bound uh, down within me. But this is called to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morn, morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. Words of uh, or from Jeremiah, words of lamentation, but with a heart in the hope of God. The prophet, the prophetic word through Isaiah encourages the people with the promise that this context of desolation would see the glory of the Lord and would be restored. 
The announcement was, Behold your God, behold him who sits on the throne, trust in his promises. He will save them, he will care for them, he will restore them. Our God has pleased pleasure in to restore us, your people, your chosen people. The fulfillment of this promise begins at the first coming of Christ, when hope is confirmed. Jesus is the visible expression of the glory of God. The salvation promised by God has already begun and will be consummated at the second coming of Christ. Justice has been satisfied and satisfied and in him we receive salvation. We have the promise that this reality will be completely restored. The restorative work, work carried out by the Lord is in process. As the gospel is, gospel is advancing among the nations, saving lives. According to Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14, the earth is being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord through Christ, Jesus Christ. My dears ones, we all go through sadness, loss, suffering and pain. Many question whether or not it is worth staying alive. Many people go so far as to take their own lives. In this passage, we are encouraged to help each, each other with this message. Jesus has already come. Salvation has already happened. God's glorious restoration is happening. Stand firm because the consummation will come. Trust in the promises. Persevere in this hope. I always look to Jesus because he is the perfect image of God. The presence of the glory of God among us. God with us. Do not despair. He is our hope. With him came our salvation, but also the restoration of all things. We can hope in him because he is the maximum fulfillment of the word of God. John chapter 1 verse 14 tells us, And the word become, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Based on these words, Isaiah tells us, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. 
in Jesus, sin and death were conquered. But God has a second promise for us in this text. The second promise is the promise of a new reality. When we read verse 5 to 7, we can see an obvious connection to the ministry of Christ. During his messianic ministry on earth, Jesus gave sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, the mute spoke and the lame walked. This same message is repeated several times throughout the book of Isaiah. This statement may refer to physical events as happened with the miracles performed by Christ. But they also point to a deeper spiritual reality. More than healing, uh, healing people and improving their lives, the coming of Jesus brought humanity the possibility of living in the presence of God without sin and the dam damage caused by it. In, chapter 20, uh, in Isaiah chapter 29, Isaiah speaks of the condition of God's people resulting from their own sins using physical figures to point to spiritual, spiritual realities. He speaks of the inability of God's people to delight in, delight in Him due to spiritual deficiencies caused by a life dominated by sin. Jesus came to free the captive from the dominion of darkness so that those who previously could not see could see those who previously could not hear could hear those who previously previously could not speak could speak and those who previously could not walk could now walk all of these cures are more than physical they are spiritual in the soul, in the heart. Spiritual faculties, once dam damaged by sin, were healed by the power of grace in Jesus Christ. Note that just as the healings in verses 5 and 6, part A, are physical pictures of something spiritual, the elements that appear in part B of verse 6 and verse 7 are speaking of spiritual things. They speak of the abundance of God's grace made available to His people. Let's see. Verse 6, part B. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the de desert. The burning sand shall, shall become a pool in the thirty ground springs of water in the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. My dear ones, these verses are talking about a new reality, reality starting 
from Christ. Never before Christ was the word of God so read, so read, uh, meditated on, studied, preached, and touched. Touch. In Christ, a spring of living waters was open, flowing abundantly, producing and renewing life through the word, prayer, and communion with the people of God. The hearts that were in a desert where jackals lived become oases produced by the grace of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, verse 13 uh, to 14. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. Thirsty, thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Amazing, no? We are living these promises in fulfillment. These words to the people there are happening now. God has blessed us in Jesus with an inexhaustible source, source of resources to endure the hour of affliction, to persevere in the face of spiritual struggles and to prevail in the face of attacks against our hearts. When hope is stolen from us, we can run in search, search, search of these spiritual resources that are available to God's people in this new reality. When your heart begins to fail, and in the face of difficult circumstances, discouragement begins to overcome you, seek the Lord in the Word. In prayer and in communion with the people of God who are united in Christ so that each of us may receive the care of Christ through caring for each other. This promised new, reali this promised new reality has already begun. God's resources for His people are available let us not waste, waste the great privilege of rejoicing in these promises that are already being fulfilled in our time, looking forward to their consummation, consummation at the second coming of Christ. Until now, we have two promises here to see the glory of God. To live in a new reality. Because God fulfilled his promise in, promise in Jesus Christ. But we have a, another promise here. 
the third promise, the promise of a, a new place. In verses 8 to 10, we see the last promise. Have you ever taken a vacation and been away from home for long, for so long that the fun uh, vacation started to get boring and you wanted to go back to the comfort of your home? Yes or no? One week is good. Two weeks, good. Three weeks, oh, I uh, start uh, to uh, uh, tire. No? To be tired. Yes. It's possible that we have all experienced this. This happens because even though it's good to be away from home, our home is our place of comfort. The world may give us some, some pleasure, but they will never feel the emptiness in our hearts. And we still need to understand that many of them could be high, highly destructive. God's word in Peter tells us that we are sojourners and exiles on this earth. Peter made this statement because in Jesus he understood more deeply the transience of our life on this earth and that our true home is reserved with the Lord. It is interesting that Abraham lived a long time before Peter and already had this feeling in his heart. See with me Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 to 10. The text tells us, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a what is the word here for foreign foreign lands living in tents with Isaac and Jacob here's with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designers and builder is God living here but with his eyes in the this city prepared for God for us. The people of God was in a hard situation because um, their sins, but God has a promise for them to restore them. God gave them these promises for them. And for us now, because the, uh, uh, the, these promises are the same promises for all people, whole people of God. When we understand what is promised to us in Christ, we should begin to long for our return to our true home. The lack of this understanding can be a great risk 
to our souls. We have many texts in the word of God that tells us that we do not belong to this world. Jesus was the one who spoke most about this. Despite so many texts in scripture that reminds us of this. We have a strong tendency to become attached uh, to the world and ignore what God offers us. The same people of Israel in a hard place like Babylon forgot the uh, true home. Jerusalem, the place where is the temple The place where God has a relationship with him. And this is God's last promise in this text. text. Once again, the figures appear. Seeming to be the announcement of post-exile. Return towards Jerusalem. Even though this happened after 70 years uh, of captivity in Babylon. When we look at the words in this text, we notice three things that tells us he is talking about something other than this return. Verses 8 to 9. The first thing we can see here. A path that only the pure will pass. He is announcing a sinless reality. Now? No. In another place. The second thing and the third thing is is in the verse 10. The second thing is an everlasting joy will fill the hearts of the redeemed. He is speaking of a permanent and eternal reality. The third thing here, sorrow and groaning will flee from the redeemed of the Lord. He's talking about a reality of incorruptibility. When we read this description, we see that it points to a new reality beyond the post-exilic return to Jerusalem. This part of the text speaks of the heavenly Jerusalem, the new heaven and the new earth. My beloved brothers and sisters, God has given us the promise of a new home. There is no place in this world for us. He, uh, here we are like the wind that comes and then leaves. But Jesus conquered for us a new home with the Lord. We must be careful not to expect too much from this world and cling to it as if this were the last place in our existence. Remember John's words in Revelation 21, verse 1 to 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, 
coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as uh, their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, uh, for the former things have passed away this text is connected with this third promise to the people there and to us now this is the place in life we should strive for every day this day will come for us because God's promises are faithful and they are Faithfully fulfilled. In conclusion, brothers and sisters, the joy of the redeemed is in the promises of God. The main one is Jesus, the incarnate God. He is the greatest of all the joys we can have in our existence because all the Father's promises are fulfilled in Him. In Him we can see the glory of the Father. In Him we can live a new reality in which all the resources we need to pilgrimage on this earth until our last breath of life are in Him. In Him we have the promise that one day we will live in the new heaven and the new earth. My dear ones, my dear church, struggles will come and we are not free from them. We must remember that we are still in a fallen reality. Even if they are bad and painful, God has multiply purpose through them. When we are in suffering, we must remember that everything will pass because God has a promise of a new place for us. Augustus Nicodemus, a theologian and pastor of our denomination in Brazil, tells us that the sufferings of this present time are a remi reminder that this world is not our home, even though it appears to be. Our house is being prepared by Jesus so that we can be with Him eternally. When we are going through afflictions, let us cling to God's promises. Let us walk in this world, but always keeping our eyes on everything God has prepared for us in what we have already received 
and in what awaits us. Jesus is proof that God's promises are faithful. Who has already come to the world once and will return a second time to seek us and we will live eternally with eternally with him in the new heaven and new earth. Let us rejoice because we are the Lord's redeemed people upon whom, whom the promises have been fulfilled, are being fulfilled, and will continue to be fulfilled. God bless us and help us to uh, put our eyes in His promises. His promises is a uh, desire of our God to work with our hearts during our walking in this earth until to arrive in our house, in our true house with Jesus eternally. Let's pray. Father in heaven, like Israel, sometimes we have uh, ignored you. But you have um, love. Uh, you have uh, care with us, Father. And you take our lives in your hand because we are your beloved people. Chosen before the creation, Father. Thank you because during this time, in some times, Father, we need to pass through uh, difficult situations. Because we need to learn more and more to trust in you, Father. But during this hard time, you give us these promises. Father, thank you because this time will pass. One day we'll be, we will be with you in a new place without sin, without corruption, corruption without pain, without um, cry without death with you eternally thank you Father for these promises we need these promises all the time and one more time once again Father you remember us about your love about your uh, faithful faithfulness thank you Father thank you because we have you in our lives thank you because we have Jesus Christ in our lives in him we have hope because he is the fulfillment of your promises to the people there but to us now, 
Praise be your name, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Your brother. We're now going to stand and sing, picking up this theme of the hope that we have, the future that we have as the people of God. Here we stand. Let us join together in this song. Please join me in song.
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. To God be the glory. Amen. Now thank we all our God. Thank you.